The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 1015 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Thanks. Approved. That's what God wants out of his people. For them to find them place themselves in a place where they are approved to answer his call. God, he desires workers in his kingdom. That's what God desires. What we've been looking at for a while now and continue to look at for the foreseeable future is how to work on getting ourselves in a place where when God calls... We're ready to answer that call. Um, we looked at this in a variety of different directions. There's about 19 characteristics that, that Paul lines out for Timothy and Titus. A little bit more of that here in just a second. And, and what we have the tendency to do is take those 19 characteristics and thrust them upon people that we call maybe like super Christians or just the leaders within God's kingdom or within his local church. Now, these are to be put upon each and every follower of Jesus. And the thing we have to remember about this, folks, because this list is not an easy list to accomplish, is our God is much, much more interested. He's much, much more concerned about our future than our past. The cross took care of our past. So don't ever in this whole series allow yourself to get into a place of discouragement because I'm just not there. If you're not there, that's that's okay. Let's get there together. Or get yourself in a place of just saying, ah, I can't ever be that person. So why try? That's not a good place to be. All right. Let's just, let's just pray to God at this time as we dive into this. I need the prayer this week. It's been a long week. Boy, I'll tell you what. Strep throat can kick your tail. I'll tell you. I haven't had it since I was eight years old. Eight years old last time I had strep throat. And... I don't remember it being so frustrating when I was eight, you know, because I got out of school. That's never a bad thing when you're a kid. But, um, man, it's kind of kicked my tail this week, so um, um, this is, this is going to be a short sermon, <laughs> okay? And you're like, get strep throat every week, preacher. We like it. Um, but let's, let's ask God that he would speak through his word today, and uh, we'll jump in into it together. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much, Lord, for, uh, for the way you work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we are, in your sight, already transformed people. Because when you see us, you see Jesus. We've been washed clean by the blood, the precious and perfect blood of Jesus Christ. But, Lord, we know that, we know that we've got a ways to go yet when it comes to looking like Jesus in this world. And Lord, we pray you'll help us. Help us to transform, Lord. To change. And help us, Lord, to get ourselves in a place that when you have a job for us to do, we'll not only be ready to do it, but we will be equipped to do it as well, Lord. If there's anything that needs to change in our lives as we study together today, we pray that you would show us Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Don't be a prude. Don't be a prude. You know, I haven't, I haven't heard any language specifically like that, I don't think, since high school. I don't, I don't know why that is. When, when you hear that phrase, several things might pop into your mind. And what you might be thinking already is, come on, preacher, we talked about the birds and the bees two weeks ago. All right? Or maybe, maybe your mind goes this, you know, don't be a prude. Come on, just have a little fun. All right? I mean, is that, is that what this word, what is really at the core of this word? Well, we better find out because guess what? We find it in our little list here. Prudent. Prudent. So far, we've looked at three qualities within life that God wants from us. And the first one was, was a good reputation. Because reputation does matter. Don't forget, though, I'm going to say this again and again. Our God's much more concerned about our future than our past. Don't ever think, ever allow yourself to think that your past will hinder your ability to minister to people. It will not. It will enhance your ability to minister to people if you let the Holy Spirit work through your life. But a good reputation. We talked about moral purity. That's that birds and the bees thing a couple weeks ago, all right? And then we followed that with balanced thinking and living. And really, what we're looking at today has, has somewhat of a close connection to that thought process we went through last week of, of balanced thinking and living. Now back, I said before we prayed, Timothy and Titus. So we get to them in a second. Here it is. Timothy and Titus were two young apprentices, protégés, whatever you want to call them, of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul went from city to city planting churches. He did not stay real long in those cities. Most of them, at the most, he would say would be a year. Most of them much less than that. He would stay, and then he would move on. So there's a church there, a young church. And those church, if that church was going to survive and thrive, that church needed leaders within those congregations to help the church. And what we see is this. Timothy and Titus were given by Paul qualifications to put on the heads or qualifications to see who would be qualified to be servants and leaders within that church. Like I said, we've got to be careful. Say, well, that's not me. I don't want to be a, be a leader. No, 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 no. This is what all of us who are following Jesus are to be striving to look like. Within Paul's list here of qualities, you find it in Titus, but also the one we're looking at specifically is 1 Timothy. And we'll be going to Titus here in just a little bit. We'll be bouncing around a little bit through Scripture today. But turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 2. Week number 4 and one verse. Woo, man, did you imagine if we did that? The whole way? I mean, I preach here my whole life and we make it through two books of the Bible. All right? That's not the way we usually operate, but... This is specific enough that we need to. And this is week number four in verse two of 1 Timothy chapter three. It's near the end of your two testament. If you're not sure where that's at, look at the table of contents on the front of your Bible. It'll point you in the right place, okay? This is what it says. An overseer then must be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, 
prudent. In the Greek, the word is sophron. And it means this, to have a safe or a sound mind. Sensible. Sensible. That's not a word we use quite so much anymore. Sensible. If you go back further in the Greek language, you'll find that this word comes from the root Sophia. Does anybody know somebody named Sophia? Some Sophias? You know what that you know what that word means in the Greek? It means wise. That's a great name. That is a great name. And some of you are like, whoa, that doesn't match the person that I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Sophia means wise, and that is the root of this this prudent thing. Um it's a word that's used all around the New Testament. Why don't you turn? We're going to be bouncing around a little bit. Turn over to Romans. Romans chapter 12. In your New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the narratives of Jesus. Then you have the main history book in the book, the New Testament, which is Acts. And follow that, you've got Romans. This is the one we're going through in, in Wednesday night class right here in this room. Very powerful part of our New Testament. Romans 12, 1 and 2 are, they're my favorite two verses in the entire Bible. All right? And it talks about what we've been talking about for three weeks now, transformation. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed through Christ. But the interesting thing is, after verse 2, it gets pretty good too, and we shouldn't stop. This is what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 3. He says this, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you that not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Sound judgment could also be translated to think prudently. And if you dig in deep, you will see throughout this New Testament this thought of prudent thinking. It's interesting. Those who have taken, like I already told us not to, there have been people for years who've taken these lists out of Titus and 1 Timothy and said, it's just for these elite Christians. That's all it's for. No, 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 no. That is not the case. And if you look to Titus chapter 2, Paul, the Apostle Paul, instructs Titus to teach in this way. He says, teach older men Older women, younger women, and younger men. Is there anybody that's left out there, okay? Teach them to be sensible. Teach them to be prudent. All right, guys, if you don't hear anything else today, catch this, all right? Let's define this prudent thing in a biblical way, okay? The prudent thought life is this. It's all about outlook. Okay, I'm going to put this up on the screen here. Are you ready? JB's going to put it up here for me. It's all about outlook. How we see God, how we see ourselves, and how we see others. Prudent thinking. How we see God, that's where it begins. How we see ourselves, and how we see others. Get that. If you're a note taker, take it, write it down, okay? Gene Getz 
the author of a book called The Measure of a Man. I told you last week he has another book he wrote with his wife called The Measure of a Woman. Some of you are actually reading that now. I want to find out what that's like. All right? And then Measure of a Young Person. He's even wrote that with his son. Okay? And one, I haven't read the other two, but I've read Measure of a Man. And it is a powerful book about what it is to be a man of God in the world that we live in. And it is a lot of the basis of this whole thing we're looking at through the end of this year. And it's interesting what Gene Getz says. He says, now I kind of paraphrase this myself just a little bit. What it means to become a prude. How do we get ourselves there? All right? And the first thing is this. Humility. Some of you might have heard about the old rancher. Been quite successful in his years of productivity. And he met up with an old high school buddy. Came over for dinner with his wife and they were there eating dinner. They were talking about their kids, their grandkids, you know, the, the stuff you talk about. And then, and then this rancher and his buddy, they hop into the truck and they head out. And they drive for quite a while, and they get in the middle, kind of go up on this, this hill where you can really see a long ways around. And they get out of the truck, and they're walking around a little bit. It's evening. It's a beautiful evening. And the rancher says to his, says, says his old buddy, he says, take a look around you. He says, every direction, look around you. He says, everything you see, I own. I own every bit of it. His buddy sometimes says, well, that's quite an accomplishment. You've definitely, you've done well for yourself. You've been hard at work since the years that I have known you and met you. He said, but I have a question for you. He said, how much have you invested in, in that direction? That direction. Prudent people understand that all they have has been given to them by the hand of God. Think about that for a moment. Because when we think in this way, I can tell you this, where our mind goes immediately is the material world around us, our, our things, our homes land, vehicle, I don't know, what, was, what, what are your things? The prudent man and woman understands that God gave that to me. But it's more than that. He not only gave me this, he is the source of any type of ability or talent that I have. I know you, we hear it, we hear it, you'll, you'll hear, and, and sometimes I wonder if the people saying it really mean it, because it's usually an athlete who says, God-given abilities, God-given abilities, that's the truth, and the prudent person understands that what we have has been given to us by a gracious and loving Father, 
That is a very important compass to keep us heading the right direction, folks. And it's one that a prudent person never, ever forgets. You know what follows just perfectly well? Humility. It's just let's lock, lock in step. It always follows it. It's this. Gratitude. Gratitude. Turn over to um, Titus. We've talked about him quite a bit, but we haven't read much from what Paul wrote to him. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. In this Romans class that we're going through, Paul also, the Apostle Paul also wrote the letter to the Roman church. We call it the book of Romans. He also wrote that, and, and we, we're finding out in that class... That one of Paul's favorite words is grace. Grace. It's God's favor towards us that we do not deserve. Grace. Titus 2, 11 and 12. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all mankind. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, prudently, (laughs) righteously and godly in this present Folks, Paul had quite a past. Many of you know that before Paul's name was Paul, his name was Saul. He was a terrorist. And he did everything in his power, in his power to destroy Christ. I mean, that's literally what was taking place. When Paul stood there and watched the very first man lose his life for his faith in Jesus Christ, his name was Stephen. When Paul watched that, holding the outer cloaks of the men who were throwing the stones on Stephen's head, Jesus, looking back to that event and other events like it, what did Jesus say to Saul when he met him? Yeah, Saul met Jesus face to face. He didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? He didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's Paul's past. And it's a past that he never got beyond. How do I mean that? That past kept him humble. Paul's past. I mean, I'm telling you, there's, there's those of us in this room who are not proud of our past. But I would highly doubt anybody in this room killed a believer of Jesus just for the fact that that person believed in Jesus. I don't think that's probably happened. Okay? Paul 
Paul's past did not hinder his ministry. But it did keep him humble and grateful. Paul called himself the chief of all sinners. He said, because I I persecuted the church. Prudent people are grateful. We're grateful for what Christ saved us from. Prudent people are people of prayer. Prudent people are praying people. Why don't you turn from Titus, just a few pages over. It's right near the end of your New Testament. And you'll find some of the letters of Peter. 1 Peter specifically. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 7. 4, 7. Peter writing to the church and he says this the end of all things is at hand therefore be of sound judgment oh what's that word prudent be prudent and sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer prudent people are praying people Wilbur Fields, I've told you about him before, he's one of my, I, I won't tell you he was one of my favorite professors because of his, his teaching ability, alright? He was a good teacher, but it's really hard to keep people awake at 7 o'clock in the morning, especially when those people are 19 year olds, alright? And they were up really late the night before, okay? So he had a big challenge in front of him. And he was an incredibly knowledgeable man. Incredibly knowledgeable teacher. But what made us love Wilbur Field so much was his heart. With his correct view of God, his correct view of himself, and his correct view of others. For him specifically, it was his students. First class, 7 o'clock in the morning at Ozark. But Wilbur Fields would come rolling in to the campus at 3.30 in the morning. Every morning. You know why? To get his lesson plans done. Yeah, they even, even college professors have lesson plans. But no, that's not the case. That guy could do it in his sleep. Been teaching for 40 years, all right? And he knew the Bible inside and out. I'm convinced he had the entire Bible memorized. I'm convinced of that. In Hebrew, probably, all right? But he would show up at 3.30 in the morning, go to his office, 70-plus-year-old man, get on his knees and pray through the rosters of his classes and pray for every one of his students every day. It's the reason why when he turned 70 years old, they rented a convertible sports car, put him in the thing, and paraded him around campus. And everybody came out to cheer for Wilbur. (laughs) Wilbur Fields. Prudent man. Wise man. He was a man of prayer. These three things are very, very important when it comes to being prudent people. Humility. 
to be humble people, to be people who are grateful for what God has done for us, to be people who communicate with our God on a regular basis. And Gene Getz is a pretty wise man for putting those together, but there is another pretty sharp fellow that I spoke to this week who had something else he that thought should be added to that list. That guy was a guy named J.B. Brown, all right? And this is what he said. And I'm paraphrasing again. He said, prudent people lean on prudent people. Um, the name Bill Winky won't mean a lot to a lot of you out there, all right? Maybe none of you, besides maybe Chuck knows the name. I don't know if anybody else does. And the reason why you won't know that name, because this is a guy who is a professional writer and hunter. And on top of it, a very outspoken Christian. Somebody I look up to. And as much as I deny it, it is so funny. It is so funny. If he says, if he says... This is something you need to be successful this deer season. I can't even help myself. It's like, it's like this, this, whole, this whole voice in the back of my head saying, you need that. Bill Winky uses it. It's got to be good. Now, fortunately, most of the stuff is way out of my price range, and I could never afford it. But the things that are in my price range, oh, yeah, you, you bet it influences me. Now I'm trying to say, no, nah, it doesn't influence me. It does. It does. And, and the question is this. It's a question we have to ask ourselves. Who influences us? Guys, if you are being the follower of Jesus that he desires you to be, that means that you are reaching out to people who are still in darkness. It's what we're called to do the biggest calling that Jesus puts at the feet of his followers. People who are doomed to an eternity in hell and the only thing that is going to save them is the blood of Jesus Christ, just like it saved you and me. But I'm going to tell you this. You go into that world and you share with people and you share life with people and you don't put people to lift you up at the same time into your life, you will get dragged down. Temptation is real. There's not a man, woman, child in this room who doesn't deal with it on a regular basis. Who influences us? Are we making sure we spend time around people who will help us grow? People who are wise, prudent. People who are prudent enough, courageous enough to tell us when we're out of line. I want you to think about this just for a moment. How many people close to you, that are close to you in your life, have the nerve to tell you when you've stepped out of bounds? Do you have people... In your life, who will do that? Because cowards don't do that. 
We all know it is not easy to go to a brother or a sister in Christ and say, you're in the wrong here. And if we do not have people in our lives who are willing to do that for us, we're going to end up flat on our face at some point. The second question is this. Are you humble enough to listen to them when they speak up and say, you are out of line? Solomon, one of the more famous kings in the Old Testament, the son of David, the most famous king in the Old Testament. Solomon was given wisdom by the hand of God. And yet he did some boneheaded things. <laughs> but one thing he took upon himself very seriously was this. One of my children is going to take the throne when I die. And I want this kingdom to survive. And if that individual who does not take the throne, that does take the throne, if they don't Follow in line and use wisdom. This kingdom will not survive. Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. And what we have is the book of Proverbs. What we have is the book of Ecclesiastes. where two books written in large part to that young man, Rehoboam. Solomon died. Rehoboam took the throne. How long do you think the kingdom lasted? Decades? Years? Months? Try days. Because Rehoboam refused to surround himself with wise, prudent people. Instead, he surrounded himself with his buddies. And within days after he took the throne... Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel were ripped from him, and the kingdom was divided. We cannot make the same mistake in the world we're living in. This world is too rough on us to not put wise people in place in our lives. Prudent people lean upon prudent people. Who are we listening to? How many of you liked the teeter-totter when you were a kid? Got a few of you? Okay. Strange, weird people. That's the most miserable thing on a playground out there. Besides a merry-go-round. I'll tell you what. If, if, if an alien came into our world and went and saw people on a park playground, they would think it's a torture chamber. They would. You put them on the merry-go-round, five minutes later they're all puking. All right? You put them on a teeter-totter, got a crushed foot, broken leg, you know, because we can't get two people the same size on it. You've got to put one little guy, one big guy, and poo, there they go, all right? You know, sometimes it's good to be a KU football fan. Why are you laughing? I'm being completely and totally serious here. Because I'm not on the teeter-totter. I'm always low. 
You can't get me off the ground, boy. Being a KU football fan is better than lead boots. You're not getting me off the ground because I'm grounded. I see the small victories. There were some small victories even yesterday when they got beat by 22 points. The spread was 24. They beat the spread. So in my mind, KU won yesterday, all right? You can say whatever you think. How do you feel Oklahoma State fans today? You're on the teeter-totter, people. And you're not up right now. College, the college football fan, it's the teeter-totter life because it's so crazy because just one loss and you go from here. You should, my whole family, they're OSU fans, all right? I couldn't even get my brother-in-law to talk about it last night. He's like, I'm not talking football. I was like, look, OU, because if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you despise OU and they despise OU, okay? And I was like, they're getting beat. Baylor is beating them by three points right now. Baylor, they're like the only team that KU might have a slim chance of beating this year, okay? And they're ahead of OU. He's like, I can't even talk about it. I mean, normally he would be like on cloud nine because the only thing better for an Oklahoma State fan than winning is watching OU lose, okay? But he was on the bottom. His team just got beat. It's just the way it is, the teeter-totter life. I'm going to tell you something. If we are not careful, that life can trap the follower of Jesus. Sometimes we're riding high, all right? I mean, we're up there. We can see the whole playground. We are up there, you know, feeling good. And in some of those situations, we can get a little bit too high view of ourselves. And the next minute, we're at the bottom. And we think absolutely nothing of ourselves. And I'm not talking about humility. I'm talking about defeatedness here. And see, that's what happens with the teeter-totter life. And I've got to be honest with you. I don't think either one of those places on the teeter-totter is what God's desire is for you and for me. prudent follower of Christ. This is their view. Their view of God's grace and His gifts. That is this key that sets us free from this teeter-totter life. How do you view God? Where is His place in your life? Now, last week, as we wrap things up, what we were talking about in this balanced life, which these two Sundays are very closely connected, people, all right? And last Sunday, what we talked about was no matter what life throws at us, our God is in control. And he's the perfect father. He loves you more than you can imagine. Whatever you're facing, he can handle. You can handle with him by your side.
But this, this Sunday, it goes beyond that. That's the correct view of God. The correct view of ourselves is this. Not this up here, not this here. This just grounded knowing. I'm where God wants me to be. I'm saved by the grace of God. I have nothing to be proud of. Everything I have is by His grace. His unmerited favor upon me that I do not deserve. And when we get those first two lined out in our brains, we begin seeing people around us with the eyes of Jesus. How did Jesus see his world? Some of the world hid from his view. They tried. Some of the world was intimidated by him. Some of the world thought they could beat him. Could finish him. He looked upon all of those people with love. This world desperately needs more prudent people. This world needs more Jesus, folks. All right. Would you stand with us, please? I thank you for bearing with me today. If the Lord has something for you today. Today, probably more than any day for the most recent history, you can be guaranteed it's Him working on your heart. Because to be completely honest and straight with you, I didn't have the energy this week to put into this what I normally do. (laughs) So if the Lord's speaking to you today, you can be... Sure, it's not some dumb preacher in southeast Kansas, okay? It's God working on your heart. And if he's saying something to you today, do not leave here without speaking to someone about it. We're going to pray. I'll be up here. JB will scoot on up here if he needs to be. Our elders will be here. But as we've said before, guys, understand something. If something needs to be said, it doesn't necessarily have to be said to an elder of Deering Christian Church or a minister at Deering Christian Church. Because we know just as well as you know that there are more prudent people in this room than the elders and the staff. And there are people in this room you can lean upon. speaking to him if the Lord's working on your heart. Okay. Charlotte, you want to say anything?
He already knows it anyway, doesn't he, Charlotte? What's the use of trying to hide it from him? Thank you, Charlotte. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. We thank you, for Lord, for the way that you work in our lives. Lord, I don't know why Charlotte just spoke for us. We try to hide things from you sometimes. It's, it's, it's a... It's something that will never work. You know it all. You know everything about us, Lord. Help us to open up, Lord. Help us, Father, to grow in you. Because the world needs grown-up men and women in Christ. Lord, if there's man, woman, student, anyone here today that you are speaking to, That person knows it, Lord. I pray that he or she will not leave here without speaking to you about it and without speaking to a brother or sister about it. Help us, Lord, to go into this world this week as people who view you right, view ourselves right, and view others with love. Help us, Lord, to grow your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name.